We don't need to measure our barriers against ourselves. We're measuring them. They're not our problem. The obstacles are not our problem. We've got a God that says, if you'll believe me, you can possess the land. needs to stand up and say I'd almost given up on it but I believe it's going to happen now I'd almost thrown the towel in but I'm ready to fight another round now my husband will be saved my backslidden son will come back we will have you don't have to resign you can't have revival in the water. Go ahead and march around the wall. God will pull it down. Go ahead and fill the water buckets. God will turn it into wine. Go ahead and get in one accord. Get in the upper room. God will send the Spirit. Hello, I'm your host Isaiah Torres and this is Intentional Talk. Hope you guys are having a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I want to say thank you for taking a small window out of your day, a small window out of your time to tune into this podcast. It means so much to me, and I don't take it lightly. I want to say thank you for being patient. I know I haven't released an episode in a couple of weeks, uh, but that's because I want to release uh, content that is excellent, content that I'm proud of, and content that I know will be a blessing to your life. And with that, it takes time, uh, but I encourage you to listen to the previous episodes if you haven't. And uh, if you have, stay tuned. We're going to be releasing some great content here in the few uh, in, in the coming weeks. So uh, stay on the lookout for that. Today we have a special guest. What can I say about this man of God? Um, he is an icon. He is an, a legend. He is a pillar of our faith. Um, he is a man of God. You may have heard him preach at because of the times. Um, you may have heard him preach at. Uh, many different conferences, and uh, I know he has a heart for uh, young men and women that are uh, running after the call, um, and the fact that he even accepted to come on this podcast to do this podcast, it just blew my mind, um, and I'm so thankful and so honored and privileged that he accepted. With that, Pastor Huntley, why don't you go ahead and give us uh, some background of where you are now in life, family, and in ministry? Well, thank you very much, my brother. It's a high privilege to be with you today. And I certainly love and respect and am zealous and jealous toward the young minister of our fellowship, praying God's richest blessings upon them. They are a great treasure to the United Pentecostal Church and to all of us. First of all, I'll just say that when I was a junior in high school, in the state of North Carolina, where I was born and raised, I felt my call to the ministry. And then uh, I went to Texas Bible College for three years. And there at Texas, I met my wife, who was a Texan. We married after our first year of college. And after three years of Bible college, we uh, immediately went on the evangelistic field. And I evangelized for seven years. And my whole passion, burden, calling from the very first of my relationship with the Lord was a desire to build a church in the state of North Carolina, my home state. And so it was that uh, the capital city of North Carolina opened up 
and I was privileged to come to Raleigh, North Carolina, and take start a church with five people. And uh, I pastored that church for 37 years. It's the only church I ever pastored. Pastored it for 37 years, and then my son-in-law and daughter became the pastor, and I have been the bishop of the Temple of Pentecost uh, for for five years. I was the youth president many years ago, of course. I was the executive home missions director for the Southeast region. I was also a president on the local board here in North Carolina. And then also I um, was an executive presbyter and then became district superintendent. And of course, I preached a lot of camps and conferences uh, far greater than my deserving. And for that, I'm appreciative. I am now the Bishop of the Temple of Pentecost, and feel God has called me to travel and preach and try to affirm young pastors and encourage them, share whatever I've gathered up through my years of ministry, and that is where I'm at right now, just trying to be a blessing to the ministry, bring revival, growth, evangelism, and affirm preachers wherever I have the opportunity. Thank you so much, Pastor, again, uh, for just taking some time to come on this podcast um, and just hearing everything that you've accomplished and what you're doing now. It's just so encouraging and it's so inspiring. And I know me, myself, um, it drives me to keep going just to see your ministry uh, thriving. And it's just, uh, it's always, it's always a a great thing to see a man of God of your caliber um, just doing the work. So uh, with that, Pastor, um, We'll go into the first uh, question. Uh, you, as a, as a bishop now, as an elder, uh, and obviously you have a lot of experience. You've seen a lot of things. Uh, but I'm really curious to see what qualities and characteristics you often find in uh, young people who are called into the ministry. Uh, is there um, certain disciplines that you see in them? Is there certain character traits that you see in them? And I'm curious to really see uh, your perspective. Okay. Uh- I appreciate that question in respect to the fact that as a district superintendent, I have a lesson uh, that I've taught in seminars entitled, if you were accused, if you were charged with being an apostolic minister, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you were charged of being a preacher, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And so I, I did this study and prepared it and have taught it. So I'll give you a list of things that I have learned through experience and observation uh, from the lives of people who have been called of God and who have been used of God. I won't uh, expand on each one of these, but I will just give a list of observations of characteristics I see that are in the lives of people used of God. First of all, there is an unusual love for God. Secondly, an obsession of the Word of God, a deep obsession to study the Word, learn the Word, know the Word. Third, an attitude and spirit of a servant. Fourth, a love for people, and by that I mean compassion. Five is an insatiable hunger for the things of the Spirit. Six is an exceptional awe and respect for men of God. Seven is a willingness to sacrifice for the cause of God. Eight is a passion for prayer. Nine is faithfulness. 10 
is involved in the local church. 11 is humility. And 12 is the, the capacity to not easily be discouraged. And 12 and 13 is a burden. 14 is a vision. 15 is a sense of inadequacy and a need for training. 17, submission to leadership. 18 is the ability to win souls. 19 is patience during the necessary time of proving and testing. 20 is loyalty to leadership. 21 is a teachable spirit. 22 is an order in the home with harmony. And then the last one would be confidence and support of your wife if you're married. These are things that I've observed through the years that are in the lives of men that God calls, God chooses, and God greatly uses. That's so powerful. Those those characteristics, I mean, um, it's kind of it seems kind of overwhelming uh, in your experience when you when someone is called by God or someone is pursuing that calling. Do all of those things come natural to them or does it is it a constant battle in trying to check off that list or check off those qualities? I think some of it is born in the call when you are uh, equipped for the job. And then some of it is you have to learn these things. You learn it by association. You learn it by a desire to be your best. You learn it because you want to really be used of the Lord. And so some of it's natural and some of it has to be developed and you can learn it. That's one thing I think young ministers have to understand. You're not just born what we would call a great man of God. You, you, you become that it's a process. And that process is born out of your passion and also out of observation and willingness to, to learn and to be taught. And uh, it's something you can develop. I don't think that it's something that you're naturally born with, but it's something that you have an innate um, uh, propensity for. And then you feed it, you grow it, and you enlarge it. Thank you so much, Pastor, for that insight. Um with that, we'll go into the next question. Um, again, in your experience, um, you've talked to many people, I'm sure, and you've seen many things. Uh, and we kind of said, we, we kind of touched on uh, what qualities makes a young minister, a young man or a young lady that's pursuing that calling. But uh, in your experience, what have you seen um, some of the things that are a detriment to uh, young ministers or aspiring ministers? What are some things that you have seen uh, that has caused them to fall? Um, and is there like a reoccurring thing? Is there a reoccurring, I guess, problem that you have seen that has been a detriment to young and up and coming ministers? All right. Well, first of all, I think that God uses us to the ability that he can and God is looking for people that he can really use for his glory, his kingdom, and his cause. I've noticed sometimes that too many young people, if God does bless them a little bit, or they they see a measure of success, uh, as the old saying is, it kind of goes to their head. And they immediately uh, lose track of humility and subjection. I met young men who just got a local license and felt like, they had enough wisdom to instruct their pastor or to school their pastor or school their leader. And the Bible talks about 
in First Timothy 3, 6, that we not be a novice. And if, uh, if you're a novice, that you'll be lifted up with pride. So I think the, one of the main things we have to understand is that God uses us for his glory. It's not to make a celebrity out of us, not to make a star out of us, not to build us a name, but to build his name. And so there must be that ability to never lose sight that we are nothing without him. And it's all about him, for him, and through him. And that without him, we are nothing and can do nothing. And as we will stay in that frame of mind, then God will get the glory and he will continue to grow a great ministry. But the day that we assume superiority or super spirituality or self-righteousness, then the blessing is cut off and we lose that place in God. Another factor is I think sometimes there is a misrepresentation of ministry to younger ministers about finances and uh, accruing and gathering wealth. You know, the Bible said in Psalm 62 and 10, if riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Uh, as a minister of the gospel, our goal and our desire is to give God glory, to win souls, and to prepare people for the rapture, not to gather finances or to get rich. And sometimes I think people look at ministers who've been in the gospel for a while and they form a wrong opinion of them. They see finances, they see fame, they see platform persona, they see almost a celebrity status. And that is, that is not what the ministry is all about. It's about serving the Lord, building his kingdom, winning souls, and blessing his cause. That's that's such a great insight because uh, one of the common trend that I've uh, heard uh, over the course of, you know, interviewing people on this podcast is uh, one of the biggest things that young men or young ladies, they, they struggle with is trying to uh, attain a certain persona, like you said, or trying to attain a certain style of preaching because they believe yeah. that it'll elevate yeah. them to uh, elevate their ministry or their calling for uh, whatever reason. But like you said, you have to really be in love with the kingdom and be in love with God, be in love with the church and do it for that sole reason only, not to elevate yourself or your name. And uh, it's very troubling to hear when a young person goes to maybe a camp meeting or a youth service and they say, man, if I could just preach like that, you know, yeah. I, if I can just yeah. just have an, an ounce of what he has, you know, I can make it when maybe God is calling you into a different area and maybe God is calling you to a different ministry. And we kind of funnel in what God wants to do in us. So I thank you right. for sharing that with us. I heard one young minister ask an older minister after the older minister preached a powerful message. And the young minister said to him, how long did it take you to get that message? One hour, two hours, six hours, 10 hours, 12 hours. And the response was 35 years. Because basically, if you study Matthew 13, you'll find the seed, the good seed is not just the word. The good seed is the children of the kingdom, the good children of the, so in other words we don't preach a message we are the message wow that's powerful thank you so much for that um so with that we'll build upon i guess this uh thread that we're going on along with and 
things that you have seen, your experience. Um, so I, I'm really curious to know. Um, I myself is, have grown up in a pastoral home. My dad is a pastor. Um, I've seen some of the struggles that comes with uh, being in a pastoral home firsthand. I've seen, uh, you know, some of the things that uh, our family has battled with in church. And um, so I'm really curious to see, you know, uh, what is uh, one of the most difficult lessons you have learned in your ministry and uh, whether it be early in your ministry or in your present ministry i'm really curious to see uh, what are some uh, difficult lessons that you have learned along uh, that journey well one of them that is really something i i regret that i have to mention here but i'm trying to be transparent and trying to help young ministers and that is i have been the greatest challenge that I've experienced in my life that that really, um, you might say, um, shocked me, startled me, surprised me, and kind of threw me into a place of, of confusion where I needed to really seek elders' advice and seek the Lord was the abuse and possession of the power of position within the organization and within district functions. Uh, I was amazed to see how important political offices were to certain people and what they would do to protect those positions and uh, the means that they might uh, enforce to accrue those positions. And I, I learned through the process of time that it was shocking that they will even put those positions upon uh, above their personal friends, their their uh, fellow pastors, and uh, I don't think that offices should ever be above our ministry, above our character, and above our relationship with other preachers. Uh, that we are, if we are called to an office, then we're elected to not hold that office, but to serve in that office. And I believe that an office should seek a man, and that the man should not seek that office. So. Uh, the political aspect within the realm of the apostolic church was uh, very disconcerting to me and caused me um, some real stretching in my in my growth process uh, of things that I had no idea existed. And I'm not saying this is wholesale. I'm saying this is something that you need to be aware of so that you don't fall into that trap and think maybe, well, I'm the superintendent or I'm the presbyter. No, you hold that office. You serve in that office. That's not what you are. You're a servant of Jesus Christ. You're a brother to the ministry. And uh, you're only there because people have put confidence in you and trusted you to fulfill that place of duty. And so I think it's very, we should be very careful about uh, seeking offices and seeking position and we should let those things come to us. Thank you so much for that. Um, I've heard stories of um, relationships being broken in pursuit of a certain position or office, like you said. And uh, I guess in your experience, kind of off the cuff, in your experience, um, when faced with something like that, uh, someone who's, I guess, potentially doing something that... Um, could be a detriment, you know, to the the churches around you, whether it be a, a presbyter or anything like that. Um, 
what do you do? What do you do in your position from the outside? Uh, you're seeing things. Do you just uh, pray? Do you go to leadership? I'm curious to see what you do when you're in that position. Yeah. Well, I think you named the two things. Number one is is that you pray about it. Number two, then you go to, to the officials and get guidance from them as to, to how you should pursue it. Uh, it's not certainly nothing that you want to start a move against somebody or or, or start some kind of protest against someone. Uh, that's that's between them and the Lord. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from the Lord. And I feel in time, that's a key word there. In time, God will deal with it in a measure that hopefully no one will be lost because of it. Amen. Thank you for that wisdom. Um, so I'm curious to see what um, a very basic question. Uh, what are some resources? Uh, are there any books that uh, you've read or are reading? Are there any specific preachings that have been a blessing to your life uh, that you use yourself? What are some resources that you go to when preparing a message or just to, for a daily devotional? Okay, I I um I am not an avid reader, but I I, I read what relates to ministry. And uh, one time a young man asked me, he said, how many hours a day do you study? When do you study? I said, you interrupted my study when you asked that question. <laughs> because like prayer, we pray without ceasing. A minister's mind, his heart, his spirit should be continually. I'm not saying you walk around all the time speaking in tongues. Don't, don't get that idea. But that your mind should never be far from the word of God. From the spirit, you're in touch with the spirit and you're studying society and you're studying humankind and you're in touch with what the flesh is saying relative to the needs of the spirit. And you're you're sensitive to what the Holy Ghost is saying to the answer of the cry of humanity. As a matter of fact, I'll just say some of the, what I would feel productive most productive messages I've ever preached, uh, saints gave them to me and did not realize it. It may be in a situation in their life, a problem in their life, a question they ask in their life. And I think a good shepherd, not only do the sheep know the shepherd's voice, but I think the shepherd should know the sheep's voice and that you listen to them and they are a resource of ministry. Where are they hurting? Where are their questions? And I believe ministry is not to preach questions. Ministry is to preach answers. And so when we're in touch with them, then we know where they're hurting. We know where their confusion is. We know where their questions are. And we bring answers to them, not individually, but collectively. We preach answers to what we feel is the need. Now, I'm going to be old school on you here. But I'm, I'm concerned about the absence of Bible preaching in the apostolic church. I'm afraid that we can go to too many secular leadership. Uh, there's a difference. And I, and I believe in leadership. We must have leadership and we need to study leadership. But apostolic churches are not built on secular leadership. There must be biblical principles that apply to every aspect of our church that we build on, that we as a foundation for us. So I really believe that we need, while we talk about needing revival in the apostolic church, we really need a revival. 
We need preachers that are studying the Bible, young people that are reading their Bible. I thank God for Bible quiz and one of the greatest things the UPC ever did. I wish that I could have been a Bible quizzer. I would have loved Bible quizzing. Uh, I find that not many people are quoting the Bible daily in their in their conversation. They're not reading the Bible. Even when they preach, there's not much scripture in it. And I don't want to get off into what makes a good message, but uh, if you preach the Bible, you've got an advantage because it is anointed to start with. The Word of God is. So you've got a measure of anointing there that if you're telling stories and giving illustrations and leadership statements, uh, that's not going to be as powerful as preaching the Word of God. So I think we need a revival. We need to go back to that Bible, read that Bible, study the Bible, pray and ask God to show you how it relates to our society. And on the other hand, you need leadership skills and you need to understand people, which I may talk, talk more about in just a moment. But um, another great source is not just reading, uh, but listening to apostolic preaching. Um, and as a young man, listening to that and then dissecting that message, not from a negative standpoint, critical standpoint, but how did he get that thought? How did he start it? What was the meat of it? And how did he bring it to a conclusion and, and analyze that? Not to say that you will mimic that exactly, but there will be pieces of it that will uh, filter through your life and that you can use. And of course, you have to develop what you are and who you are and uh, preach through that uh, prism of reality. Otherwise, you're just a cheap imitation. And you, you will never have the anointing that someone else has. So you need to, I think you need to listen to apostolic preaching. Some of the greatest messages I've ever gotten was while I was listening to one of our ministers preach. And what he said was not what he said. <laughs> I, I heard something. I heard something. He didn't say it, but it was a diving board. His, his ministry plunged me into a direction that has given birth to some of the some of the messages you may have even heard me preach. <laughs> Thank you so much. I uh, I always remember uh, a story um, in my life. I I was supposed to speak. I was probably about seventeen. I'm twenty years old now. I'm very young. Great. I was Great. Like seventeen years old. Uh, they asked me to speak to our our young people. It was probably about fifteen of them. I was nervous. I had never <laughs> spoken yeah, before sure. in my life, and right. I remember going home. And we had this big box of CDs. And I remember it, because of the times, uh, CDs from all the way back to 2005. And I remember staying up all night, dissecting, listening, <laughs> to say to say the least. I mean, my message wasn't that great to begin with when I finally presented it. But I, I remember those moments of hearing uh, apostolic preaching and how big of an impact it was. And even now, when I'm at work, uh, I... I try to listen to preachings uh, just throughout the day. And I, I think that's so important because a lot of people uh, will turn to secular preaching or preachers or secular pastors and secular messages when there's nothing really like apostolic preaching, anointed preaching uh, that comes from God. And I really do appreciate you sharing that with us. Yes, sir. You're exactly right. Um, so uh, with that, um, I, I ask every speaker that comes on this podcast because I think it's very imperative for uh, the younger generation, whether it be the millennials or the Gen Z, to really understand, uh, 
to, to, to really understand the concept of making our time count now. Um, and I'm really curious to see uh, what is some advice you would give to this generation? What are some things that you see uh, that we need to work on? What are some things that uh, you see that is good in us? And uh, I'm just really curious to see because of all of the uh, social unrest in this world, we, we see that it's the young people pushing it. Uh, it's the young people rising up. It's the young people uh, really making the noise right now. So I, I'm really curious to see uh, what, what, what are some things that we need to work in and what are some things that uh, you see good in us? Well, the good that I see is the ability and the skillfulness and the talents uh, that has been multiplied through the years in the apostolic church. Uh, at your at your level of 20 years old, your knowledge, having been raised in a pastor's home, did I understand it correctly? Yes, sir. Having been raised in a pastor's home, by simple osmosis, you gain a tremendous amount of advantage. The world is calling for apostolic youth as never before because the, the, the youth of our America is confused and, and uh, disoriented and has no direction. Peter said an untoward generation. And but our youth are disciplined, they're skilled, they're smart, they have ability and they have talent and, I, and they're willing to be creative and and uh, get out of the box. I say it's all right to get out of the box as long as you don't get out of the book. Yes. You can get out of the, get out of the box, but don't get out of the book, you know, and um, so and their speaking ability and their the way they handle themselves is is with such eloquence and elegance and excellence that it took years and years and years for my, my generation men I know to reach that level. So you're way ahead in those dimensions. Along with that comes a great danger because there's so much available as you spoke of outside of the apostolic church that they can learn leadership and hu human um, uh, manipulation and strategies and how to get people to do what you want them to do and how to how to get ahead of people, how to advantage yourself. And uh, so all of that's out there. But I feel one of the great, I got five things here that I, I feel like is very important for young ministers and I will not elaborate on that. But one is to, to five requisites for a blessed ministry. Number one is to know God. And uh, I know that sounds kind of um, mundane. But in 1 Samuel 3 and 1, the Bible said that Samuel ministered unto the Lord. But in verse 7, it says he didn't know the Lord. 1 Samuel 3 and 1 says he knew he ministered. 1 Samuel 3, 7 says he didn't know the Lord. So it's possible to minister and still not really know God. By, by knowing God, I mean spiritually knowing him. Um, knowing his qualities, knowing his attributes. And another thing the Bible said, that uh, God revealed his acts unto Israel, but his ways unto Moses. There's one thing to know the acts of God, but it's something else to know the ways of God. And so we want to know the ways of God and to know God is very, very important. And so we need to know God, have, have a spiritual connection with God. I'm concerned about some young ministers. I don't hear them saying, and God said to me, or God showed me, or God revealed to me. It's, I read this out of this book. I got this out of this. I got that off the internet. I got, we need a connection with God that is spiritual. Uh, that's the, the apostles were forbidden of the spirit to go certain places. 
We need to be under the control and the direction of the Holy Ghost or as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. So I sense a danger of being secular and um, more uh, carnal than being involved with the flow of the Spirit. So number one, we need to know God. Number two, we need to know people. We need to understand people that our mission is to love them, lift them, and lead them. That's what we're called to do. We need to know people. We need to know how people think. We need to have people feel. We need to know what's going on in their world. And third, we need to know the Bible. I've already talked about that. Know truth. Know the Bible. Fourth, we need a spirit of humility to where we have an attitude uh, of a servant. And I like this. I've used it. It says, if you know whether, if you want to know if you have a true servant's attitude, how do you respond when you're treated like one? If somebody you say, well, I'm not your servant, you know, well, when you're treated like a servant, you're at your response will tell you whether you have that proper attitude or not. Uh, so humility and number five is a total commitment to God. And this is what I have built my ministry off of. I established it at a very early age of ministry. I picked it up hearing somebody preach somewhere and I have lived by this principle. And that is if you will make God's business, your business, God will make your business, his business. Wow. That's so powerful, pastor. Uh, I know um, just us um, as young people, we can overthink a lot of things. And when it, and when we get to, I guess, a, a point in our ministries where uh, we're, I guess a lot of the load is placed on us. And when we go out and preach and stuff and, and things like that, um, we can kind of overthink, you know, how do I put this message together? How do I do this? And it sounds like a lot of it is just you got to get back to the basics. You got to get back to, you know, what got you there to begin with, knowing God, falling in love with his word, trying to hear his voice throughout all of the noise. I think that's such a good point of, you know, how to react when you're uh, treated like a servant. I I've heard stories of uh, men of God saying that, you know, uh, they started off you know, cleaning the bathrooms and, you know, staying late and cl uh, closing the church and vacuuming after service. And, you know, uh, I, I, we, we see that and it sounds good because uh, no one sees that, you know, no one sees that service. But what happens in the public eye when you're treated like a service, a servant? So I think that's I think that's such a good point. Uh, I, I love that. And uh, with that, uh, we can wrap this up. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Pastor. I, I truly, truly appreciate it. I know you're a very busy man. Uh, so I got with you ahead of time. If you could share just a, a, a small word with us to wrap this thing up. And with that, uh, with the closing remarks, Pastor, why don't you go ahead and share that with us? Well, I will share with you something that I have used. It's my prayer for my children, my grandchildren. My goal in life is to raise Pentecostal champions in our local church, in our home, and in our, in our grandchildren. So sometime back, God gave me a prayer that I pray over my kids personally and over our church kids individually. I lay my hands on them, and I pray that God would give them gifts, talents, expertise, and abilities that will horrify hell and honor heaven. And my goal is to raise up Pentecostal champions that will see more, do more, and be more than I could ever be. And I want to prepare and give to them everything that God has given to me so that they can be great in the kingdom of God and be used of God. 
thank you so much, uh, Bishop. Thank you so much uh, for your time again. Uh, I, know you're, I know you're very busy, so thank you My so much, privilege. Pastor. God bless. Well, it's an honor, and I thank you for your passion for what you're doing. And I pray God's best blessings upon you and your ministry. Someday I hope to meet you. Hey, guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, why don't you go ahead and subscribe, share it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And with that, let's stay intentional together.